Good morning, Real Life Church. Please grab your seats. If someone could let the people know in the goldfish bowl that I'm about to start and they do not want to miss me. If we haven't met already, my name is Melanie um, and I am married to Stu and together we moved here to start this beautiful church we call Real Life. Um, I have two uh, kids, they're called Levi and Asher. Um, uh, You've probably seen them down the front, they are the slightly crazy ones. Um, And I look after in this church, I look after the young, so I look after the 0 to 18s, which is an absolute honor and a privilege. And I look after what it means for us to be good to our community, so the areas of how we reach out and how we help other people find out about who we are and what we're like and therefore who God is and what he is like. Uh, So if we haven't met yet, that's a little snapshot about me. The only thing I suppose is worth knowing is that um, I only really have one weakness in life and that is, um, well, there are two really, two men. Uh, One's called Ben, the other one's called Jerry and I like eating them straight out of a tub with a spoon and usually if they're on special, two is better than one. So um, that's really my major weakness in life. Uh, This week, um, we had a funeral and it was um, Tracy's mummy's funeral Um, And it was a beautiful funeral, to be honest. And I think when you go to the funeral of someone who was a Christian, there is something quite beautiful about knowing that now they're with Jesus. And and a little bit of you feels a little bit like, oh my gosh, she's seeing him face to face. How amazing is that? And she knew Jesus and the room was packed with people who loved her and whom she loved. There were several people there who I enjoyed them telling their story of how they came to meet Jesus because of her life and because of her story, which was, it was just so encouraging. And then um, because I read out some of her life story, um, I'm sorry, I'm having a bit of a microphone issue here. Um, just bear with me a second while I sort this out because I think it's going to slide down my back and I'll, yeah, I don't know what I've done there. Sorry. If I knew any good jokes, I'd tell one now, but I don't. So, okay, there. I think we're I think we're done. Um, she had four kids who went on to have twelve kids, and those kids went on to have eleven more kids. And I was listening and and observing and and looking around the room and thinking, she truly lived her life and lived a full life and and had loads of ups and downs and pain and sorrow, but she really lived. But even in that. There's something about death that just grieves us. There's something about it that just makes us think it doesn't feel quite right. Even when someone's lived a long life and they've got their family around them, their friends around them, there's something about death that doesn't quite sit right with us. There's something that makes us just kind of great slightly. And I know it's because we were made for much more than that. So we were made for forever, for eternity. We were made for long lives with our God, with no pain, suffering, sorrow, sickness. We, we were designed for something else. And the Bible says that God has placed a tiny bit of forever 
in the hearts of his people. And we know that when someone dies, because we think, no, 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 that wasn't quite how it was meant to be. That wasn't quite how it was meant to play out, because something of forever is lodged in our hearts. Something in our hearts yearns for something that's more than And something grieves within us when we don't quite see it happen. So if someone is sick and they die, something in us just grieves that and thinks that was robbed, that isn't what it was supposed to be. I want to tackle some things this morning. I want to talk about healing most definitely, but I want to tackle some lies and some things that people are dragging around with them. And I want to face some things head on. So bits of this will feel a little uncomfortable and bits of this you'll feel like I just want to worship Jesus now. So I'm not even going to apologize for that. The word of God should challenge us and it should um, cut through our hearts really. So some of you sitting here this morning are believing lies about your own physical body and you're living with things that you feel like you should live with. You're believing that this is God's best for you or part of God's plan for you and and I want to say to you this morning that that is not true. It's not true of God. Some of you have accepted sickness in your body and you now own it as part of your identity So it's not I have something, it's I am, or this belongs to me, or it's not I suffer with something, it's actually this is me. Some of you believe that over yourself, but some of you believe that over other people who you love so dearly that you cannot comprehend that something could be wrong or could be a defect in their physical bodies. Some of you believe that miracles were for the time of Jesus and then they died out and we're all done. And actually what we're supposed to do now is live out the Christian life until the end comes. Again, I I just want to challenge that. Some of you have been so hurt and disappointed by people you've prayed for who've got worse or have ended up dying that actually quietly... In your heart of hearts, you've given up on God being the God who can heal. And you would never say that out loud, and you would never shout that. But in your heart, whenever healing prayer comes around, or in your heart, you just shut down. You're just closed off to it. So you're not loudly saying you don't believe that God's a healing God, but quietly in your heart, you're saying, I don't believe that God is a healing God. And I have to, I can't stand here this morning and say some of you might believe this, these things without telling you where I'm at. So if I'm honest, I have, since I've become a Christian, had words spoken over me and felt so stirred about seeing the things that Jesus did when he lived on the earth. And I read the Gospels regularly as a practice of mine, no matter what book I'm reading in the Bible, to have a Gospel on the go. I just have always done it. If I'm honest, when I got saved, I literally felt blown away by the person of Jesus Christ and, and just astounded by him. And it has been my, my passion and my journey ever since. I, I find him utterly mind-blowing as as a man and as God. I, I think there is no one like him. And because of that, I just keep a gospel on the go the whole time because I just want to be soaked in it, absorbed in it. My gap is that I wholeheartedly believe who Jesus is and what he accomplished on the earth. And I wholeheartedly believe we are supposed to see the same stuff and more. 
I wholeheartedly believe we're supposed to see the dead raised, cancer gone, blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I wholeheartedly believe we're supposed to see sickness and disease drop off. However, because of my experiences, which isn't always on a par with that, sometimes I know when I go to pray that I lack faith. I know when I go to pray that I, in my head, I believe wholeheartedly in that I'm supposed to be used in this and that Jesus wants this. And then I go to pray and all my experiences flood in and it strips me of strength. And I pray, the prayers you're supposed to pray, but in my heart of hearts, they, I know they lack power. I know they lack authority. I know they lack something because my experiences look different to what I actually read about in the Bible. So if I'm being honest, when I preach a sermon like this, I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. I am stirring myself as much as I'm stirring you. I could come and sit down there and listen to all of this and, and be reminded again what it is that God has for us. I think God is going to break some stuff off of people this morning. Just some disappointments, some past hurts. I think there'll be a few tears in the room. When I, when I prepped this, I could, I could hear some wailing where I just thought some people are overdue, some crying over things that, that they just need to face and just weep it out. I even, as I was prepping it, felt that there would be some loud crying like some angry crying as as just pain and and yeah it will come now it will come already as disappointment drops off us the reason I'm doing this is because I know full well if we're going to go after healing we've got to do it as a body we've got to all go after this and if we all go after it and we all bring our faith and we all bring our prayers and we all I think we'll see the stuff but some of you are limping and some of you are wounded. And I don't want to run off over there while you're back here limping and wounded. I, I feel like we need to come back and say, okay, let's face some of this stuff together and then let's run off together as a body, as a people. So I know this morning God's going to do some stuff in in some of it will look a bit messy. In real life, we don't mind a bit of mess, do we? I gave up a long time ago wearing mascara because I just think, what's the point? It all ends up down my face. So in church, I'd worked out really quickly. Makeup just isn't going to work for me. And, and so it, if there are tears, that's fine. We've got tissues. There'll be people who will pray with you. If you need to shout about stuff, that is also fine. I, I think sometimes our relationship with God looks far too polite He is not a gentleman. He is God Almighty. He can cope with all of our pain, all of our disappointment. He can certainly cope with a bit of shouting. And if I'm honest, if you read through the life of Jesus, you'll see there are times where he shouted or times when he turned over tables or times where he rebuked. He's not ignorant to real human emotion. So I'm going to run us through a few things that I think are true about God, true about Jesus, and true about us. And then I want us to get ourselves into alignment with God. So the truth about God, God is a healing God. So one of his names in the Old Testament is Jehovah Rapha. It literally means the Lord who is forever the healer. 
He's forever the healer. No matter what my circumstances look like, he is forever the healer. No matter how many people I pray for that don't receive their healing, he is forever the healer. If you go to the beginning of the Bible and you read Genesis, you will see that before sin, there was no death in the garden, no separation from God, no sickness, no pain. There was nothing that kept God and man separate. If you go to the end of your Bible in Revelation 21, you can turn to this if you want to, but I'm going to read it out for you. Revelation 21 verse 3 and 4 says this, Then I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things have gone forever. So in the beginning, the garden was sick free. So if you are in a situation where you think, actually, God has purposed this for my life, it's his plan for my life, it's his best for my life, you are wrong. God's plan and purposes for our lives is that we will, in increasing measures, see the kingdom of God advancing and that earth and our experience will look more and more and more and more and more like heaven as the days get darker. As we, as, as we get closer to the finish line, more of heaven is supposed to be coming on earth. It, it's as if God is pulling back the veil. We are supposed to see more and more and more and more. When we hit the finish line, our bodies will be perfect. So there will be so many things about my body that will not exist anymore because I will have the perfect body And I won't be able to brag about it because so will everybody else. So we will all be in... There'll be no glasses. Nobody will have eyesight issues. You will have perfect vision, perfect hearing, perfect taste. Your brain will work perfectly. Your heart will work perfectly. Your relationships will be in total harmony with one another It's why Paul in the New Testament said, quite honestly, I'd rather be there than here because being with him is better. And it's better. It's better for our physical bodies, better for our relationships, better for our relationship with God. The only reason we still exist is because loads more people need to come. Loads more people need to be in the new heaven and the new earth. It's why we still draw breath because there are multitudes to come. The Bible teaches us that God loves to heal, that it's in his heart and in his desire. It shows that healing was such a massive part of the ministry of Jesus on the earth. If you don't believe me, take the four Gospels and take a pen, a piece of paper, write down every time someone was healed and what from, and go through all four. I've done that study many times. It's brilliant. Uh, If you are... If you don't want to do that, I have every scripture through the Gospels printed out on, on a Word document of where Jesus healed. If you think, nah, I don't, can't see myself doing that, text me, email me, and I will mail you my study. And you can have a little read through it. It will strengthen you, encourage you, and it will make you realize what you're experiencing now is not enough. That God made you for more than 
this. Some say that sickness is sent by God or used by God to make us more holy. And I, I kind of want to face that one head on. I think God uses everything in our lives to grow us. Nothing is wasted. If you've gone through tough times, painful times, nothing is wasted in the kingdom of heaven. God loves to recycle all our stuff. He loves to take which Satan intended for harm and use it for good. He loves to do that. He delights to turn the most painful situations into things that grow us, shape us, change us. Does that mean that he wants all of the pain and suffering for us? No. See, God's desire is what heaven looks like. And God's desire is that would invade and touch earth until the end comes and then we'll live on the new heaven and the new earth. But we live in a world that's broken and we face brokenness everywhere we go. And within that brokenness, within that suffering, God will work and God will make use of everything you faced. Sometimes we just need to get our heads straight on that one. And just make sure we understand fully who God is and what it looks like in the world that we're a part of. Our experience sometimes tells us that actually God does not love to heal and is not a healing God. So wave at me if you've prayed for someone and they've never been healed. Wave at me if you've prayed for someone and they died. Okay, so... Wave at me if you've prayed for someone and they've been miraculously healed. Nice, me too. I've seen all of those three things. What we know from our experiences is that sometimes we pray for people and they die. Sometimes we pray for people and they get worse. Sometimes we pray for people and they get their miracle. What we must not do is bring the Bible down to the level of what we've experienced. We must not take what the Word of God says as truth and put it on a par with our experiences. What we must do is hold our Bibles up and get our experiences to marry up to that. We must hold our Bibles where they belong. And they don't belong in our circumstances or our situations the Bible, like some people say, the Bible's out of date or it's not culturally relevant or yada, yada, yada. The Bible is the authoritative word of God. It is true for all generations, all nationalities, all people groups. It is true, full stop, the end, no matter what culture says, no matter what your body's doing, no matter what, it remains to be the truth. What we have to do is line our lives up with it. What we have to do is line our experience up with it. What we have to do is line our faith up with it. What we have to do is get in line, not expect it to come in line with us. And it's the same for healing. We've got to believe what God says in his word about healing and then fight for what it should look like and face the disappointment of it not always looking like that. In this room, there will be an insane amount of disappointment because time and time again, it has not looked like that. And you found yourself saying, are you real, God? Are you there, God? Is something wrong with me? Am I not praying the right prayers? Am I not doing the right things? Am I not a good enough Christian? Do I not come to church enough, read my Bible enough? Am I, uh, and you're trying to make the Bible fit you. 
Instead of saying, actually, God loves to heal. It is by nature who he is. As his kids and his family, it is by nature who we are. There is something in us that feels wrong when someone is ill or that there's something wrong with their body or there's something in us that just grieves it. And we should. We should always grieve it. There's something in us that knows we were built for more than this. So the truth about Jesus, if you do this journey through your Gospels, which I strongly recommend you doing, you'll find out these things. Jesus never actually prayed for healing. Uh, which, if you do a study on how Jesus prayed for the sick, it's crazy. I love it. Because you can't put a formula on it. And I'm sure that's what he intended. So sometimes he rebuked the sickness. Sometimes he spat in mud and swirled it around and wiped it. Uh, sometimes he healed people and they weren't even there with him. Like, like he just said, oh yeah, they're healed. Uh, sometimes he went places and he could do no miracles. So there was like a lack of faith in the place or whatever. He, he never did the same thing twice. You can do that as a study as well. You work your way through all four Gospels, writing down how Jesus prayed for the sick. What you discover is he didn't actually have a formula. He didn't actually have a way. Sometimes people touched him. So the woman with the issue of blood touched him. The power went out from him. She was instantly healed. And he was like, whoa, what happened there? There was no one way that Jesus did it. What we do know is he didn't have a formula prayer that he prayed every time. What he did was he listened to God and he did whatever he saw the Father doing. And if we want a lesson for how to pray for the sick, that's it. Listen to God and do whatever he says, Jesus never treated a person with sickness as if the sickness belonged to them. He always spoke to the sickness. He treated it like it was a separate thing. He never treated it like it was intertwined. So if it was cancer, he would speak to cancer as an enemy, as something that did not belong. And we know that, don't we? When you look at someone suffering with something like that, you know that doesn't belong in their body you know that shouldn't be there. And I think sometimes we've gotten a little bit too pally with sickness. We've accepted it and gone, yeah, I wear glasses. Yeah, I don't see so well. Yeah, I don't hear so well. Yeah, I don't function so well. But that's me. That's how I was born. That's me. And what we've done is we've adopted it as our identity instead of seeing it as something that should have never have been in my body. And in the new heaven and on the new earth, it just won't be. Jesus was full of compassion. So although he treated the sickness like a separate entity, the person he loved. You see that in the woman with the issue of blood. Because why does he call her out? He calls her out because he wants to reinstate her into her community. She's been out of the community, ostracized because she's just been bleeding. Can you imagine a woman on a period for 12 years? Ask my husband, like, a woman on it for a week. He's like, like I said to Stuart once, now you know why God sent the women outside of the camp the week of their, like, you know, women's stuff. Um, 12 years and she's been out of the community, not allowed near. What Jesus is doing, he isn't saying, I'm a little bit confused about who I healed. He's, he's God. 
What he's saying is, this woman is now well. Stop making her go outside of the community. He's bringing her in. What he cares about is the whole person. It's a real lesson for us. We need to not care about the miracles and the healing breakthrough and aren't we going to look fantastic? Imagine the stories. We need to see people and we need to love people and we need to care for people and we need to make sure when we share the stories that it's about a person and it's about their life and how it has altered. We need to make sure we keep healing in its right place It is for the benefit of the whole person that God would move like that. It is motivated by his love and heart and passion and desire. Therefore, we must be motivated by the same things. If you lack that, it's really easy. You just go to God and say, give me some of your heart because he has a massive heart. And when he gives it to you, it's, it's, it's amazing. Jesus was completely dependent on the Father He said, truly, truly, the son can do nothing of his own account, but only what he sees the father doing, John 5, 19. And we need to be those kind of people who are listening to the father, doing what the father does, behaving like the father. I've said Jesus didn't have any set model. Obviously, I must have prepped this fairly late last night because I think I've repeated myself there, so sorry about that. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, So wherever he went, he was full of the Spirit of God. Sometimes, I think in my own life, what I'm truly lacking is just encounters with God where I'm totally soaked in him. And sometimes I can be too busy to actually get down to, let's just get thoroughly soaked in God. Let's just enjoy him. Let's just encounter him. And then let's go out and see what my world looks like when I'm soaked in him. And sometimes I arrive at places wondering why I lack power or lack strength and I've really skimped on my time with God. It should be of no surprise to us as a people if we are not really soaked in the Holy Spirit that we don't see the things of the Spirit. If we're so busy that we're getting all the jobs done but actually we're missing out on the supernatural presence of God. So be full of the Holy Spirit. Faith seems to be important. What I want to say to you, if you've prayed for someone and they have died, that was not your fault. It was not your fault. You did not lack faith. So when I say this point, you didn't lack something. But faith seems to be really important to God and it needs to be in the mix some way, shape or form. However, it can be the size of a mustard seed. And if you've seen a mustard seed, they are tiny. It can be the size of a mustard seed, faith. But it needs to be in the mix somewhere and in some way, shape or form, someone needs to bring the faith. But let's be honest, even the faith that you bring, God gives to you. So you don't even need to turn up with all this stuff yourself. You need to feel like, oh my gosh, to be some kind of healing minister, I have to turn up with faith through the roof. You have to turn up with faith the size of a mustard seed, which I'm fairly sure I could manage. The truth about us. We've got the truth about God. The truth about God is he is a healing God. 
The truth about Jesus is everywhere he went, people were healed. It's very difficult to read the Gospels and not understand that part of the kingdom breaking out on earth is healing. But I think if you can do that, you are, you know, way beyond me in your understanding. To read the Gospels and not know that actually the kingdom of heaven advancing means that healing is breaking out is to not read probably two-thirds of the Gospels. Healing is supposed to be breaking out. Jesus brought that in, and as his disciples, as his family, as his followers on the earth, we're to do the same. We're to be mini-Jesuses like Jesus. The truth about us, we live, don't we, in this weird tension of we know that the new heaven and the new earth is coming. We know that we're made for much more, but we live here in the not-quite-yet So we're all, aren't we, on a journey to there. Some of us will get there sooner than others. I like to think, I've told told my boys that I'll live till I'm 96 and they can bury me. And that's what I pray. They can actually cremate me. But they can cremate me. And and that's what I pray. I pray I'll live till I'm 96. Don't know where I got that from, but I just like that number. I'll live till I'm 96 and they can bury me. Um, because I want them to outlive me. And that's what I'm saying. I'm praying that, I'm saying that. So let's say I'm just under halfway through my life. I like that. So I've got like easy 50 more years to go. Nice, I've got ages. Um, And so I'm, I'm here at this point in my life. I've got 50 more years to go. What I know is the closer I get to that, the more I want to see and the more I should see of the kingdom of God breaking in. What I know is that until I get there, it's not yet. It's now and it's not yet. Is that I live in this tension of God breaking in and life breaking in. And I live in this battle between I really want faith for healing. I really want to go for this, but people are getting sick. People are dying. I I live in this tension. We all live in that tension, and we have to stare that in the face and say, yes, we live in the tension of the kingdom coming, but the kingdom here, but the kingdom not quite. We live in this reality. Revelation 21 says there will be a day when there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more suffering. That's where I'm going. That's what I'm believing for. That's what I want to see on the earth. But I live here like this. I'll read this quote out from Mark Stibbe. It says, those who overemphasize the kingdom view of healing can end up with a passivity that says it's all up to God. So the kingdom's coming and it's all up to God. Those who overemphasize the faith view of healing end up with an activism that says it's all up to me. The truth is healing miracles are a dynamic, mysterious cooperation between God's sovereign will and our desperate believing. It's not either or, but in so many things, it's both and. We serve a sovereign God who loves to heal, but we cannot just sit back and go, all right, God, off you go, because he loves to partner up with us. There's a dynamic partnering between us and God, and God so desires to see it. What I think what stirred me in that quote was that we need to have a desperate believing, a desperate believing that he wants this for us, that he's coming again. 
And I think some of that means facing our disappointment, crying our tears, screaming our pain out, and then getting up and going again. And that's what I do, like, like my boys, like when they're learning to ride bikes, climb trees. If they get hurt, what I don't want to communicate for them is, well, stay away from bikes and stay away from trees because they're really dangerous. What I want to communicate is, I want to hug them, hold them, and I say to my boys, scream your pain out. So my boys wail when they're hurt, is how I know they're hurt. They're, they're either running around like loonies or they scream like... And I want them to get the pain out and then I want to clean them up and I want them to have another go. Because I want them to be able to master climbing trees and riding bikes. Very important skills in life and I want them to get them. So I'm going to brush them down and I'm going to say, let's go again. And I believe that's what God wants to do with us here in this room this morning. He wants to pull us in, have us cry our stuff, scream our stuff. He wants to clean a few things out. And then he wants to say, let's go again. Let's go again. Let's go for healing. Let's go for the kingdom. Let's go for salvation. Let's go for deliverance. Let's go again. My personal belief is this season, what God is asking of us is not that we would advance in healing. I think what he's asking of us is that we believe again for the things of the kingdom. We believe again for salvation on a level that we've not seen yet. We've seen salvation here. I love it. I look around. I literally see babies that were born here. I love it. We haven't seen anywhere near enough. Because there's a multitude in heaven that no one can count. We've seen freedom here. And I love that. We get stories of people saying, I've been set free from this. But we haven't seen anywhere near enough. And we've seen healing here, but not anywhere near enough. And so I don't want us to misunderstand this isn't we're going after healing. We're going after the kingdom of God and everything that comes with it. And we're saying we want all of your stuff, Jesus, here on earth. But I know some of you need to get some stuff cleaned out and cleared out of the way. Some of you need to chuck some rubbish away that you've been carrying around for years, that you haven't been able to cry and you haven't been able to scream about because you felt like, maybe I won't be a decent Christian if I do that. Maybe I'm going to let God down. Maybe I'm going to let other people down. Whatever. If you are in pain, the only way to deal with pain is to let it out. Otherwise, it will just eat you alive and rob you. If you have disappointment, the only way to deal with that is to face it and then move forward. And we're going to wait as a church and we're going to help you guys face your stuff. And then we're all going to move forward into more of the kingdom. We're all going to advance. We're all going to see things we've never seen before. We're all going to enjoy the kingdom breaking in. I think we need to be people of the word. We need to be found in the word because it is our authority. I don't mean that legalistically, like you must do this. But it is where we draw our strength, where we get the truth from. We need to be found in it. We need to be full of the Spirit, listening to him, doing whatever he says, no matter what the cost. We need to tell our stories, but not just our successes. We need to talk about where it's gone wrong and what disappoints us. I think a great story is anywhere where God has done something. If he's done something in your pain and in your disappointment, I can cheer that 
as much as if he's done something like a healing miracle. I can cheer both because he's good both times. We need to grow in faith and we need to have that, 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 oh, uh, that real desire to see Jesus move in this place. We need to lay hands on the sick, fully trusting that God wants us to be doing this. We need to see this as a normal part of what it means for us to be Christians. I remind myself on a daily basis, the reason I still draw breath is because God is not done with his work on the earth yet. He's not done yet. Heaven is not suitably populated for him to close up the earth. He's not done yet. He's not done with us and he's not done with the people who are not in here yet. We can, of course, look forward to a day where there is no more suffering, no more sickness, no more pain. So if you are in pain now, if you are sick now, if you, one of the things we can do is pray and hope. The other thing we can do is look forward to a day where you will, like me, have the most perfect body you've ever known or seen. Does that sound good? I'm going to ask the band to come up now. We're going to worship a bit. Jesus is going to minister to you. I know around the room he already is. I I don't want you to hold your tears back, your pain back. I don't want you to hold anything back. I want you to hand it over to Jesus and help us see the kingdom come in increased measure. I want you to get help. If there's people around you that you know and trust, grab them and say, I know I need to get this out now. I've dragged this around too long. And I've already primed up all the leadership team are ready and would love to pray with you. But I know also that you'll have other people in the room who are your people. Grab them and say, pray with me. God is here. God is able. And God loves you. Like more than, like Stuart and I love this group of people. I was saying to someone the other day, more than you could ever imagine, we love this family. But we don't love you anywhere near as much as God loves you. He loves you in a way that is totally overwhelming, breathtaking, perfect. What he has for you this morning is better than you could ever ask or imagine. So I would say don't pull back from him, press into him. Let's stand, let's worship.